0: Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Matthew 22, uh, we're going to be in uh, just two verses this morning. Uh, if you've got your phone, uh, you can bring it out. If you have an Android, I'm not real sure if they have the Bible on it. Uh, they may have the Satanic Bible, but I'm not real sure if they have <laughs> Oh, man. Talk about a church split. We're going to have an android church down the street. All right. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. This is all in red. This is Jesus talking. Somebody asks him a question, and he answers the question with this. And he says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And then it goes on and it says this, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equal to it, not less than to it. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. The law, the prophet of the law are all hung on these things. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for your word, God, and I thank you that God let a word that is so familiar, God, become something that is so in our hearts. God, that it, would, that it would arrest the way that we view you, the way that we live for you, the way that we do life. And, God, that as this happens, God, as we truly allow you, God, to be what we love first, Lord, I pray that it would make you famous on the earth in a great way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are taking notes, you can write this down, the backup plan. The uh, It's called the backup plan. So I don't know if you've ever... Um, if you've ever gotten married, how many, of y'all have ever, how many of y'all are married? How many of you know that when you got married, you didn't have a backup plan? Let me say it this way. If you got married, you shouldn't have had a backup plan, right? But oftentimes, as we begin to live out this married life, we kind of try to start strategizing in different seasons a backup plan. Right? We want to have this other option just in case. And I was thinking about how straightforward. I've never seen this in the scripture. I've, just kind of, I've, I've read this scripture. The scripture is so familiar. Um, it's, it's been used so often that how many of you know that when you, when you read a scripture, it can become numb? It can lose its power. It can lose its authority in your life. Because this scripture should, should arrest your heart. It should say, woe to you. Because this is what he opens it up with. He says this, you must. Think about that. If I tell you, you must, that means that is the primary and the most important thing you're going to do. You must. He didn't say, you can, you could, you might. He says, you must. He sets up the whole statement on two words, you must. And I was thinking about how, you know, when we think about love, a lot of times love is based on feelings, right? It's a feeling. It's like, well, if I feel like it, then I can do it. But what happens in in this Christian walk with us is that as we begin to to serve God and begin to live out our faith and, and beginning to get to know him, Sometimes it segues from feeling, and the problem with feeling is feelings can sometimes try to make themselves a truth, right? You think about right now a feeling. When you feel something, right, if you're in an argument, if you're in a passionate conversation with your spouse is what we call it, right, I mean, your feeling feels as if it's truth. Like a feeling can lie to you. It can make you feel like you have the validity to the truth to something, right? See, loving God will never be effective when it's based on feeling. Because a lot of times we, 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 we feel like loving God, but oftentimes God is not first. Like, right, we, we want him to be first, but in a pagan society, in, in Babylon that we live in, there are a lot of other things trying to get your love. Like, I feel like loving God, but this, these, this show and these things consume my time. I feel like loving God. The problem is, is that sometimes me feeling like I want to love God can substitute the truth and the reality of really exposing where I'm at with God. And, and this is like the greatest. He says, this is the greatest commandment. Right? Like, think about it. For us as believers, this should captivate us and say, okay, this is going to be a primary assignment for my life. This is going to be something that's so important that I'm going to do whatever I can to see this come to become a reality. So he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You think about that, like, that's a lot of love. I mean, that is really hard to to love anything with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all of your soul, right? Like, you think about this morning, how much do you love God? For all of us that have said yes to God, a lot of us would say we love him with all of our heart, right? But the reality is, is where is your loyalty? What are you most loyal to? Many of us, when we get married, we become, we push God off to the side. We say, God, I love you, but my, spo- my, my spouse is what I've got to be the most loyal to. And that, in the natural, in, the, in, in Babylon, that would make sense. Like, in this world, that would make sense. You should love your spouse. The, the reality is, is the way that God designed you and the way that God designed me, is that we don't have the capacity to love our husband or our wife the way that we should if he's not first. Right? And so what I'm saying is, is this husband and wife, you should really fight for your spouse to fall deeply in love with God because they will, you will get more from them. Right? And so my first point is all set up by this, is that what, what is God doing? What is he trying to say? What he's trying to do is he's trying to get your loyalty. Think about a man who got on a cross. Like, let's break this down for a moment, can we? We, We've got this man who died for you, died for me, right? He got on a cross, and then we are grateful for him, but we are not loyal to him. Right? You think about that. You think about how God is the only one who pulled you out of hell, pulled you out of depression, pulled you out of sin, Yet sometimes in that we can be thankful for it, but we lose our loyalty to him. And what God is really, what Jesus is trying to set up is that really everything rests on whether you're going to be loyal to him or not. Many of us, we are loyal to our company. We are loyal to our jobs. We are loyal to our friends. We are loyal to a lot of things. But where does God fall in your loyalty list? Because here's the point is that loyalty is the fruit of love. So whatever you are most loyal to is what you love the most. I told you I was coming straight for the throat this morning. Right? Because this is something that I feel like, and for me, that that is convicting my own heart is that what am I loyal to? Because what I am loyal to is what I love. And if what I love is not this then I am just I am all kinds of messed up right like what Jesus is setting up is not some so here's the thing when you when you see this commandment this is the greatest commandment there are two things that you will fall into when you hear that control or comfort See, when I hear that, God is, I find comfort in that knowing, okay, this is the way that God designed me is to love him, but oftentimes if you've been controlled by someone that you love, you can find that and say, he's just trying to control me. But God is not trying to control you. He is trying to comfort you and know that this is, when you build your life around me, I will make sure that when everything else falls around, around you, falls apart, that you can come to me and I will make sure to be able to put it back together. This is the problem. We love God when we need things put back together. Yeah. It's like my daughter, when she gets a Lego, she loves her daddy because her daddy can put the Lego together, right? We, when, if I would say, hey, good luck, have fun with your Lego, she's going to be like, I mean, she'll figure it out for a little while, but it may be like, it might be the leg is supposed to be here and it's on its arm. And what I'm getting at is that there are things that God wants to build through your life, but you have to give him opportunity to be able to do it right like comfort or control, which one is it? Like a captivated heart becomes loyal to what it's been captivated by, right? Like right now, what is captivating your heart? What is it that you go to sleep, you go to sleep with, you wake up thinking about what has your heart? And I realize that this, this is something that you're going to have to think about process, go through, but let me just tell you the, the last time that I, when we, if we base our, our lives serving God off of feelings, you're always going to fail to love God. I'm pretty sure that yesterday when I was watching my daughter and I, I didn't feel like changing her diaper. I didn't be like, oh man, I got to check her, I checked her diaper every five minutes just because I was so looking forward to it. No. I didn't feel like it, but it was necessary, yeah. right? And, and love refuses to let feelings get in the way. Let me What I'm getting at as I'm trying to set you free is you're not always going to feel like loving God. I, I know that, you know, sometimes there's this misconception from the pulpit that Pastor Brian and Pastor Alicia and, and anybody that works at the church, they just have, they live on la-la land and they just always love God. No, I live in a pagan world just like you do. Now, there are things that try to pull me and that I have to wrestle against and I have to push away and I have to resist. And sometimes I fall prey to them things. Right? But what I'm getting at is that we have to, we have to get to the place where feelings don't dictate my loyalty to God. Because what happens is that the enemy comes in on those and condemns when you don't feel like he's like you don't love God and he uses the feelings against you what I want to do is help you understand that it is not based on feelings your your loyalty to God is it cannot be based on how you feel it has to be based on the fact that you know that you're called to love him and he's given you the capacity to love him we 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 love him not for what he will do That's where a lot of us fall in. We love him for what he will do instead of loving him for what he did do. That's a huge chasm. Those are two different mountains. Right? Like, I don't love God because of what he will do for me. I love God because of what he did for me. And you think about it, when you love God, when you think about right now trying to love God, do you really think that God did anything for you? Because some of us, we're grow, we've grown up, we've been raised in a society that is very religious, yeah. right? Like we're told as believers, as young people that, hey, I mean, you're a Christian. And so we just assume as we grow up that that's what we are without any love encounter with God. And what, what the point is, is that God doesn't want you to love him until you understand why you love him. God wants you to love him because you understand what he did for you. See, you must is such a strong word. It's, it's intended to be, it's, it's not, an, it isn't intended to be a burden. Right? When you think about that, that could easily become, oh my gosh, I've got to love him. I must. But when you think about it, you must love the Lord. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity that will help bring breakthrough in your life. How many, of you, how many of you need breakthrough in something in your life? I mean, think about a real breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your marriage. You need a breakthrough in your mind. You need a breakthrough in your emotions. You need a breakthrough in your financial situation. You need a breakthrough in, in your family. Like, breakthroughs don't just happen, right? It breakthrough happens when we are deeply connected to God and God is deeply connected to us. And lot, I think when we think of love, it's like, well, I showed up to church on Sunday. God should know I love him. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> She's already. <laughs> right? Like, love is not this casual interaction. But that's what we've made it a lot of times. Is this is casual. I'll get to you, God. But just know you, you know, I just know I love you. How would that work with your spouse? How would that work with a dear friend of yours? I'll get to you when I can get to you. Right? Like to challenge our love for God is so important because understand it is not a casual interaction. It's intentional devotion. It's being intentional. I don't be like, well, you know, I'll get to you. I'll get a date with you at some point, babe. You know, I'll let you know when I can get... When I get the time, there's a reason why people don't stay married. You know, there's a stat that I was looking up. I'm getting a little ahead of things in this, but that's okay, right? That the leading cause for divorce in America is the lack of communication. Then you know what the second thing is infidelity. Why does infidelity happen? Because of lack of communication. Why does a lack of communication happen? Because of the breakdown of love. What I'm getting at is that when we see marriage in the church that the stats are equal, there's a reason why. It's because we've, we, we've been pulled to so many different things and we're supposed to love everything equally. And the reality is, is you weren't built to love everything equally. It's biblical. You must love the Lord your God first. It's the primary. It's the most important thing. Then you can do these things, right? See, it's so important. Matthew 6.33 says this, seek first the kingdom. We hear this, right? But right now, how would you say that you were seeking the kingdom first? Right? Like, what does that look like, to seek the kingdom first? To make it it 's a priority to be the first thing that I think about when I wake up i don 't feel like getting into my devotional time with God sometimes, but I do it i don 't feel like like turning on worship music in my car, but I do it i don 't feel like having a family devotional with my family, but I do it i don 't feel like like swallowing the pride whenever i 'm wanting to know that I, when I know that i 'm right and You see what I'm saying? Like, this is so important. That seek first the kingdom, and then he will add the things that we need in our lives. What happens when you don't seek God first is you begin to add everything else to your life, and then you find out you don't have time for God. But when you seek God first, you will always have the amount of time you need for everything else. How many of you have waken up with a list of things that you've got to take care of that day and you can get overwhelmed with the list? And so you say, well, God, I'll get you tomorrow. And then you go to the list and the list hasn't changed much tomorrow and you say, God, I'll get you you on Thursday. I got these things I got to take care of. And that's the point is the point is is that if you can push God off, that's a problem. The point is, is what God is saying is that if you can live a day without me, that's a problem. God, you're, you're not. See, what we do is we assume because we get into this religious thing, well, that's just religion. No, that's 100% wrong. Religion is being able to push God off to the side and assuming he's going to be there. Relationship says, you know what, I'm going to be consistent in this. Seek first The kingdom. See, see, love for God can't be fueled by exchange. What you do for me, God, will determine what I will do for you. But oftentimes, that's what happens, right? Is that It's like, well, I need this, and you can't give it to me. You can't give it to me, so I'm going to go to God. The problem is is that that's the complete opposite of what God is trying to show here. It's here. He's saying, look, go to me first. And then there may be some other things that I want you to get from people and to get from other, other sources. The, it, you know, God does use other people to get things to you. But what he wants to do is be the primary thing. Hey, God, this is where I'm at. Because sometimes God will want to show you other things through people and through situations, and so he holds back certain, certain things so that you can see God is working in this. See, what you love and what you pursue is what you trust many of us we trust our jobs we trust our bank accounts we trust external relationships way more than we trust god and i get that this thing is a this is like a long journey what i'm talking about this morning this is something that we have to work out our salvation this is what that means it's, it's learning to say, okay, God, how can I make you first in my life? So, so here's the question. If that's the primary goal is to make God first, what do you need to move out of your life to be able to make that happen? Because I want you to understand there's a list of things waiting for his position tomorrow. There are going to be demands, there are going to be desires, there are going to be distractions, there are going to be a bazillion things waiting tomorrow to be in his position. You have to be willing, love fights, to make sure that God stays first. Right? God knows that in this society that is not easy to love him. He didn't say, hey, you, you, it's going to be very easy. He didn't give you, he just said, you must. This is the main priority. So you must love the Lord God with all of your heart. And he, I love that he doesn't say, hey, just you need to love me first. No, he goes into description with all of your heart, with all of the, all of the mind, and all of the soul. In other words, he's saying with every aspect of who you are, think about me first. And that, and, and if we're really honest this morning, that's, 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 that's overwhelming. Like, to think about having to try to do that, that's tough. But here's the point, is that as you begin to make the effort, God, the Bible says, well, as you draw near to me, he'll do the rest. The point is, is that love is taking the step. It's you moving towards God's love, and as you do that, God says, look, I'll come six. I just need you to move One. The point is is that we say we love God, but we aren't taking any steps. We're not taking any efforts. like God, if you love me, you'll just show up. How would that work in your natural life? I'm going to tell you, I love you once at the altar, and if, if, I, I'll, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Has that ever worked? If it has, you might keep her, I'm just saying. <laughs> So, so here, this, this thing, what he's trying to do is he's trying to create order. So here he says this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Right? He goes into order. He creates an order. And then he says, and the second is equal to it, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. He creates another set of orders. Right? Like for many of us, we think that God is chaos, But you can go scripturally through the Bible and you can see that God is a God of order. In fact, there's another minister that I've I've looked up to and he says glory or order follows, glory follows order. Mm -hmm. That if you want to see the glory, if you want to see the presence of God in your life, get order in your life. Right? And you can see when the temple, when he tells Moses to build, he he doesn't just tell Moses build me a temple. He says, hey, I want you to build this temple, and I want you to build these this long. I want you to have this many pomegranates on this one. I want you to have these two things here. What he's saying is he's she's showing you that he's a God of order. And so, so this is what I want you to understand is that this is the second point, is that loving God first enables you to love at your best. In other words, when you put your life in order, you're, you have the capacity to love everything else in its order. Right? And a lot of us, that's the problem, is we have our lives out of order. So there are a lot of things that are missing. And so what we do is we chase them and we exhaust ourselves trying to get things resolved, knowing that if I don't love God first, I can't love anything at its best. So what I'm telling you is, husband, wife, you're missing out if God is not first in their lives. That doesn't mean you nag them. That means you pray for them and see that God will deeply touch their heart so that they will fall in love with God. So let me show you something real quick this morning. Now, if this is, I should have had a different color, but if this is we this is loving God first, right? And, and we put this one here. And then this one is what? Loving our what? Go ahead, help me out, crowd. Spouse, okay, loving our spouse? Okay. And this one would be loving what? Kids football. Okay, cool. Football. Okay. All right. And then this one is uh, loving what? Starbucks. Okay, cool. All right. And then this is uh, what? A job. God bless you. And this is one more. What do we got? What? Food. Food. Absolutely. Good one. So here's the one. Now this one was God, right? So either way we go, if I say I love my job, something misses out over here. Now, if we do that in reverse, oh that's what happens when you don't love God first, right there. Perfect illustration. So now we got start our food and we got we got our job over here, and we've got family, we've got football, and something else. Starbucks, yeah, that's it. Now, if, if we love this way, and this is, it, something else misses out. Now, until this gets here, none of these get your best. It's not until this terrible illustration. <laughs> Now, that is what God is, what you understand where you think that God is being controlling, what he's doing is he's trying to put order in your life so you can love everything else that you're called to love the way it's supposed to. You're like, God, you want so much of my time. No, he wants to be able to love you so that you can love the coworker that you can't stand. So that you can love the family member that you're going to hang out with for five hours this week. And you're going to have the capacity to love them because you were with God. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be fake. It actually means that you can love them the way that Christ loves them. That means that you can love your spouse when they aren't perfect. Right? See, what God is trying to get us to understand is that when we love God, it sets order in our lives so that we have the capacity to love everything else. Love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. He didn't say love your neighbor. As much as God loves people, would you agree that Jesus loves people? He did not make that the primary love, which is in this social justice movement in the world, it's all about loving people. It's about loving that instead of loving God and through loving God, loving people. You can't love the world right until you love God right. And that's what we've got to get to the place where we love God so much that we can love a broken, hurting world right. But he says, you've got to get things in order. He says this, it's the greatest commandment. what what is that equal? That means this, in the order in which something is done. That's what that means. The greatest commandment is in the order in which it should be done. So God is trying to set up order in our lives, not control. Did you know that God did not demand you to show up to church this morning? He didn't say, you better get there. There are people that are not in the room this morning that love God. Not as much as you, but they love God. (laughs) I'm kidding online. Right? Like the reality is is that God is simply trying to create order for your life. See our, our lives are navigated by what, what we make primary and secondary. Order order is crucial. What I want you to see is I want you to read this from the angle of God is for me, not against me. God is not asking you to love him knowing that you can't do it. Because I think that we're all in different seasons of our lives and we're all learning how to love God. There are different seasons in our lives where you don't love God the way that I love God because my expression of love is different. But the point is, is this, is that we have to love God. Order is so crucial because you can't even love yourself until you love God first. And some of us, the reason we are who we are today is simply because we have not loved God first. So we, we don't love ourselves well. We don't have great self-care. We talk to ourselves mentally and emotionally like, like we're just horrible human beings. I mean, have you ever talked to yourself about how much of a loser you are, how much of a failure you are? The reason that that happens is because you haven't loved God well. And when you don't love, when you don't, if, if my greatest encourager is my wife, but I don't get into proximity with her, how do you ever expect myself, how do I ever expect myself to find encouragement? Can I tell you that your greatest encourager isn't your wife? It isn't your boss. It isn't anybody in this world. It is God and God alone. And if you want to be able to love yourself the way that God wants you to love yourself and to see yourself, you're going to have to fall in love with God. The reason that I believe that evangelism has come to a screeching halt in America is because we don't love ourselves well. Because when we don't love ourselves well, it's a result of us not loving God. And so God gave us this great commission, right? Go into all the world. But how many of you know we won't even leave our bedrooms if we don't think God loves us? If we don't think good of ourselves. So God says, you love me. I will make sure you understand how much I love you. And I will speak things that you've had things spoken against you. You're terrible, Dad. You're always going to be this. You're never going to be... You're never going to measure up to anything. Why don't you let the Father speak to you like a father should and see what you have the capacity to do? See, I think that when we, this is what I've noticed, is that when I'm not with God and I don't let God love me first, I fall into, real quickly, self-preservation. I fall into this place where I'm always trying to protect me, defend me, take care of me. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt prey to that? Where it's all about, it becomes all, when it's not all about God in your life, it becomes all about you. Social media is a great platform to see it's all about me. Right? We've moved into a world, into an era, into a place in our worlds where it's all about us. And self-preservation, you cannot be with God and not be for people. You just can't. And I mean really be with him. I'm not saying like spend a couple, you know, a couple of minutes with God and read a passage. That's how you become very self-righteous. It's when you, get into, when you get into things that are spiritual, but you don't let the man touch you. God has to touch you first. And then as he touches you, that's where you begin to touch and minister to people. So this, this last and final point is this. When we hear this, when we hear you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. What you have to understand is this, is that loving the Lord is not for him, it's for you. Like in our worlds, when we think of love, it's for them. Like it's me, I'm giving out to them. But loving the Lord is for you. It's not, God is not asking you to love him because he needs it. Loving the Lord is not for him. It's for you. You need God's love. The problem is, is we substitute his love for natural relationships. And when that natural relationship breaks down, I've seen, I've seen people who are super loyal to God get married and abandon God for the natural relationship. It's like, how's your devotional time? Oh, I I don't really do that much anymore. Because God came through and gave you what you've been praying for. And we moved away from it. We have to get to the place where God isn't just this thing that we serve. But it's this person that we're in relationship with. This is not, the enemy will use this sermon to condemn you. I want you to understand this sermon is not to condemn you. This sermon is to bring you into a relationship, into fellowship with the Father so that he can put order in your life and so that you can become everything that God has designed for your life. Love creates an environment, right? Bad love or good love creates an environment. Like if you're in a family where it's hostile and it's crazy, it creates a culture and an environment, right? Like that's the point, is that what this love does is it creates a culture and an environment in your life that brings stability. That 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 brings this place where you can make sure God, you're primary. I've let these things are there gonna be weeks where God takes second place. There are gonna be times where that is an option. But if we will create rhythms in our lives where it's always us checking in with God first. Hey, God, what do you want me to do this week? Who do you want me to touch this week? You know, it's amazing this thing that we were doing with the, with the, the things that we're thankful for this week. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you to. Because what it does is it makes you realize how much God wants to use you how much when you're connected to God that you will send a random text that you will find a stranger to love on that you will think about five things that you're thankful for you know there was a couple of weeks ago I was was in a store and this, this gentleman was talking about something and all of a sudden he mentioned he's had some heart problems and immediately in that moment I felt like the Lord said you need to pray for him and immediately I was like that's just me I left not praying for him. But this is what I love, is that in that, I came home and I told Alicia, and I said, man, I really feel like I should have prayed for him. So I went back to the store. And I said, look, hey, I had this conversation with him. And here's the point, what I want you to understand is sometimes you miss God. But when you stay in fellowship with God, God will continually remind you of the assignment that he has for you. And in that moment, I had to say, you know what? I'm going to resist this or I'm going to do it. And I think that a lot of times we miss out on things that God wants to do through our lives. And it's only done through our connection with Him. Like you think about a worldly person, they don't wake up wanting to love somebody, they don't wake up wanting to be selfless, they don't wake up wanting to be generous. They don't wake up wanting to be caring. It is only when we are connected with God that all of these things fall into order. That is simply what God is wanting to do, is he's wanting to put order in our lives so that we can love ourselves and love others well. Y'all can stand with me as I, as I close. How many of you know that God has some things That you would consider sacrificial. That that you would consider, my gosh, I have to surrender this over. And what my point is, is this, is a lot of things that God is going to require or ask of us can only be done and only be found through love. That you're not going to be sacrificial with your finances until God touches you. You're not going to be generous with your life until God touches you. Like, that's what's so unique about the Christian is that God asks us to give 10% of our income. But well, why do we do that? Because we love God. Because when we love God, we begin to see the, na- the, the nature and the character of God and that God loves us back. And we can do more with 90% than we can with 100%. that like sacrifice and surrender, it's going to require love to get it done. You have to understand that love doesn't just happen. No one in here just went and met some random stranger and said, I love you. No, it was the pursuit of relationship. It was this intentional engagement that created love. That's what I want you to understand is that there are different depths of God's love that you're going to experience if you're willing to put yourself in his presence. I can't stand my spouse. Put yourself in his presence and watch what God can do. You can't stand that person. Put yourself in God's presence. be done in other words what I'm saying is a lot of the things the miracles that God wants to do are simply if we would love God we would see these miracles play out the point of the sermon was this is that God never intended to be your backup plan God did not give his life solely so that you could have a backup plan He is the plan. This is what he's letting us know. I don't want to be your backup plan. Really, what he's saying is, is I will not be your backup plan. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with every aspect of who you are. And in that, things will begin to play out. So, Father, God, I pray for our affections, God, the things that we love. Father, you would help us by making you the primary thing that we love, God, that you would allow us to to love everything else the way it should. Father, that our loyalty would begin to change from other things to you. That, God, that you in that would allow us to love at our best, everybody else, everything else. Father, that we know that this love thing is not for you, it's for us. So we accept the responsibility to pursue you, to get to know you, to love you, to be with you. Help us, God, in this crazy world uh, full of things to love you first and to love you well. God, help us walk this out. Teach us, God, how to love you first. Father, if there's anybody in here this morning, God, that is yet to encounter your love, to experience your love, God, to surrender their hearts over to you, God, I pray that this morning, God, that you would capture their heart, God. Maybe you're a person who's been close to God at one point. Through pain and circumstances and situations, you walked away. Convinced by the world that God doesn't love you. But this morning, you say, I want to return. I want to come back. I know that God loves me so much that right now, he's waiting with open arms. If there's anybody in here this morning under those two situations, God. I pray that you would captivate their hearts, God. If that's you this morning, you say, I want, to know, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. This morning, I'm coming back to him. I'm recommitting my heart to him. But I'm going to put him first. If that's you this morning, if you would just slip your hand up real quick, and I want to pray with you. You say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. Or I've walked away, but I'm coming back. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else this morning? You say, that's me. I'm coming back. Father, we thank you for that right now, for that one hand raised, God. And we know that that wasn't just a hand raised, but that was a heart surrendered. So, Father, we thank you for that right now. If you would, just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I walked away. But, Father, I'm coming back because I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Father, I ask you to reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen.